cliffcentral.com. This show contains adult content. If you find it offensive, please go to the cliffcentral.com website where there's a show for you. CliffCentral.com. It is Friday morning. This is Unradio. This is Unscripted. This is Uncensored. I am all alone in the studio this morning. I am getting over some flu, so my voice might sound a little bit funny. But on the other end of the cyber line somewhere in the world is Tamar. I'm here on the very bad end of reception. You are indeed. That is quite. Mm. That is a bad reception. But let's see what happens. So that's cool. How are you? Let's see. I'm very well. I'm going to try and talk in one one sentence and then shut up for a long time. I'm great. I miss you. Sorry you feel bad, but it was very difficult to not be a part of your sexual. Amazing show, so I just had to try in Modimole and Nostrum Town, try to get reception. Okay, well, <clears throat> I am glad that you are doing that. And we are going to be there next weekend with the most awesome tantric massage retreat. That is very true. Which I am so looking forward to. We are looking forward to this. It's going to be amazing weather. The lodge is already waiting for you. It's absolutely beautiful. Cool. So let's put something on. Switch that on. And then let's do this. Ninja sex. Chocolate starfish. Twitter bag. Calipogean. Today's dirty dictionary word is... Sexomnia. Dirty Dictionary Word Sexomnia Any idea, Tamar? No, Tamar? Well, it's definitely that you just can't go to sleep You have to have sex the whole night Oh No, not quite Kind of in the ballpark Yeah, it is In my dictionary it is (laughs) Okay No (laughs) <laughs> Message us WhatsApp number zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero, and let us know what you think sexomnia is. And at the end of the show, I will tell you what sexomnia is. Zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero. So the listeners last week. No, I can't hear you there. Okay, so I am going to carry on talking, and when we get you back on a clear line, you will just jump in. Okay. Okay. We have lost you, so we will try Uh and get you back. Oh, no, there you are. I didn't hear what you said before. Okay, we keep losing this. So... I thought this morning that I would share with you something from <clears throat> the field. Of I just said that we didn't tell the listeners what was the last. Okay. I am going to share with you this morning some of the ideas of how sexual blockages and the pain that accompanies them, physical pain, sometimes mental, emotional, gets locked into the body, the way that we work, the way that we develop these patterns and how we can begin to clear them because most of my day is spent helping people with sexual and relationship issues 
And over the years of working with people, of learning and reading, I have come to see how everything gets locked into the body, the connection between the body and the mind, and how we can start to release these. So any questions that you have, any comments you would like to make, please WhatsApp 079-748-2090. So the way that we work is in terms of patterns. Everything that we do is a result of a pattern. Every pattern is compared to or linked to something that we know. Most of our patterns come from way back in the past. Some of them are genetic, some of them are family, generational, some of them are tribal, some of them are religious. And these patterns are very deep within us. So an example of this is that every time you brush your teeth, you brush your teeth in the same way. You bath or shower, you wash in the same way. You tend to eat in the same way. So some people eat all the carrots, then all the peas, then all the chicken, then all the potatoes. And some people make these perfect little mouthfuls combining everything in one taste. Sexually and in relationship, we tend to do exactly the same thing, either because it works or we think it works, or it's all that we know, or it's our comfort zone. So we simply do what we know. Those are the patterns. And current thinking is that most of our patterns are formed by age between six and eight, And then all that we do is we plug these patterns into different aspects of our lives. So at some point in life, you start having sex. And a lot of what your sexual experience is is based on the beliefs that you have about sex, which is where the pattern begins. So we get a lot of information about sex, sometimes from before we're even born. And the problem with a lot of the patterns of sex is it's the part of life that's spoken about the least. So we get a lot more by implication than actually by talking. If somebody sat down with you at some point and said, sex is good, sex is bad, sex is this, sex is that, you could refute that. You could discuss that. You could argue with it and you could make a choice. But because so much of what we get about sex is implied, it's not outrightly stated, that makes it very difficult for us. Then we live in this hypersexual world where sex is used in so many different ways, but it's often a very distorted aspect of sex. So we get what the media gives us. And I've come to kind of divide the media into into two streams. One is the porn stream, and the other is kind of the Disney stream. So the porn stream gives us a whole lot of myths about sex. So some of these are, for example, that every woman goes to bed with high heels on. Because you never see a barefoot woman in porn unless it's a foot fetish movie. And every woman has multiple orgasms from sheer pounding penetration. And it's fine to ejaculate all over her face, which burns like hell when it goes into her eyes. And a whole lot of other myths that porn gives us. Then the Disney side of it is... This kind of real romantic idea of these curtains blowing in the breeze, overlooking the beach, and there's this trail of beautiful clothes to the bed, and everybody had a simultaneous orgasm the night before, and hair and makeup are perfect in the morning, and nobody's breath smells, and that's kind of what we get. Both of those are illusion. Then we get sex education, which in South Africa is definitely about fear. It's based on how not to get pregnant, 
It's based on how not to get HIV or AIDS, and it's not based at all on pleasure and the pleasure possibilities that are out there. Then we have on the other side, we have this incredible sexualized world where everything about it is sexual. And then there's an incredible double standard. So as a man having lots of sex, you're considered a real stud and a hero. And as a woman having lots of sex, you are considered a slut. And so we live in this absolute paradox. And then we have so much fear around our own sexuality, about being sexually authentic because of the judgment of what that means. That if you go beyond a certain expression of sexuality, that is not acceptable in certain communities. So being gay in certain communities is still not acceptable. And sharing your fantasies becomes really scary because of the fear of rejection, the fear of judgment that's going to come from that. And sometimes those fantasies are really hectic. They take us deep into ourselves they take us into places that often make us feel uncomfortable until we own and acknowledge that. So sexual authenticity becomes really difficult. The extension of that is emotional authenticity becomes really difficult. So all that we do then is repeating these patterns which we are often unsure of, that are filled with misinformation, with myth, with misunderstanding. There's often a level of guilt, of shame, of embarrassment about our bodies, about our pleasure, about our sexuality, about how much pleasure we will allow ourselves to have. And then we start having sex and we simply do what it is that we do. We repeat the patterns. So how do sexual blockages come into this and come into the body. Let's begin with a physical explanation. The physical explanation is your body is constantly sending information to your brain as to the positioning of your body, to the functioning of your body. So as I'm sitting in this chair here in the studio, my brain is being aware of the muscles that need to be switched on, that need to be switched off for me to be sitting here, what muscles need to be contracted, what muscles need to be stretched, and that allows me to sit here. When I want to move, so I'm quite an expressive talker, I move my hands a lot, and even though I'm sitting here on my own, and I'm not really talking to any other person in the studio, my hands still move because that's the way that I move. So my brain is getting that information all the time and sending information back to my body at this incredibly rapid rate that we are totally unaware of. When something traumatic happens, that communication between the body and the brain gets locked in place. So think about it firstly in terms of a simple pulled muscle. Your brain switches the muscle off to prevent further injury, to stop it stretching more, to stop it tearing, to stop it spasming. And you have to release this slowly. If you try and release it quickly, your brain tightens it up even further. So as we add more information to this pathway, it becomes a neural pathway. And if there is any stress involved in this, any pain, any emotional contraction, such as guilt, such as shame, such as embarrassment, such as feeling not okay about your body, feeling not okay about pleasure, not okay about being a man, about being a woman, not enjoying and owning your genitals, that gets locked in place in a neural pathway. Every time you have sex, that gets further exacerbated. It's added to, it's added to, it's added to all the time. So then every time you're in a position, a physical position of having sex, so for example, a woman lying on her back with her legs open in a sexual position, that 
pattern kicks in. And the body simply goes into the response that it does. So a lot of women say, for example, I can't have orgasms or I struggle to have orgasms. And at the moment, the current research figure is about 60% of women are not having orgasms. A lot of that is simply this neural pathway that's locked into place. And then you add, <coughs> you add the belief to it that says you cannot have pleasure, you cannot have orgasms, because every time you've had sex, you didn't have an orgasm. That's where the belief is. So that pathway gets further hardened. It simply becomes an energy blockage. And every time you get to a certain point, it's like a river that flows. It gets to a point where it's blocked, it swirls around there, it backs off, it comes back there. And the more we try and change that, the more locked in place it becomes. Because changing it makes the pain or the blockage the focus. So the analogy that I use for this says that, imagine that you have a sore knee. Everything that you do is just about fixing and releasing your knee. That's all. The pain of your knee becomes the focus. So the paradigm that we have for fixing sexual problems is to look at the symptom of that. The symptom is I'm not having orgasms for argument's sake. Or for men it might be an early ejaculation issue. And this simply keeps us trapped in the pattern. The more that we try and just fix the problem, the more we're often focusing on the contraction instead of the possibility. So the model that we have for healing anything is based more on symptom than on cause. And the Western model of health is also very compartmentalized. It's not connected. It's not holistic. It doesn't look at the rest of us. It simply says, here's the problem. Let's fix it. So for my sore knee, I will go for physio or I'll go for acupuncture or I'll go for massage or I'll go for somewhere that will hopefully be able to fix my knee. And all I want is my knee fixed. Instead of saying, what is the possibility here? What could I do that would expand that? So if my knee wasn't sore, I could dance, I could go to yoga, I could get into all sorts of wonderful sexual positions. And all of a sudden, possibilities tend to emerge in ways that I was not always aware of before. So expectation has an enormous part of this, of what we think, the way we think something should be. The way we think it should be becomes just as narrow a pathway as the pattern that we're living with, the pattern that we're in, in terms of our sexual response and what's happening in our body. So to say what could be, how much pleasure could I have, how much freedom of movement could I have in my knee? What could I do with this? And that starts to become a very different possibility. So to heal our sexuality, we often need a mind shift more than anything else. And the mind shift needs to come from let's understand what the issue is. Let's look at it. Let's acknowledge it. Let's talk about it. Let's not put our head in the sand. Let's see everything about it. But then, let's put that aside. Let's do a whole lot of things to move the energy, to expand that neural pathway, to free what's blocked there, to help open that, to allow that energy to flow. Then we get into a very different world of possibility. And within us is the most incredible, natural, innate healing mechanism. When we decide how something should be, 
we limit that simply by saying, this is how I think it should be, so therefore this is the pathway to heal it. Instead of understanding that in this holistic scheme of us, and because our sexuality is so complicated and so complex, because it involves so many different parts of us, by working in that way, we're saying that whatever's presenting as a problem, as an issue, is one piece of a puzzle. And by focusing on that, we get into contraction more than expansion. So the word negative and positive in this sense becomes just as limiting. And if we allow for the terms of expansion and contraction, what contracts us in terms of what doesn't allow for our pleasure? What doesn't allow for the fullness, the authenticity, the expression of who we are? That becomes a contraction. The expansion of possibility starts to take us into authenticity. So we have to go into ourselves for this because the sexual patterning that we have is ours. There might have been a cause that was external. It might have been an abusive sexual experience. It might have been a painful experience. It might have been an experience that was repeated because the patterning gets locked into the body. So if you are having painful sex, every time you have sex and there's pain, that pattern further gets locked in place. Just trying to fix that, to change that, puts us back in that paradigm instead of saying, how can we release or expand this energy? So we're opening a flow of possibility. And this requires a very different mindset and it requires a very different way of looking at healing. So more and more in every field of healing, the paradigm of symptom is becoming less and less effective because of the holistic nature of us of nutrition, of body, of mind, of heart, of emotion, of everything connected and coming together in this beautiful being that is us. So these patterns, and a lot of the patterns in our life serve us. You know that every time you get into your car, you know how to drive. You don't need to relearn that. Those are patterns that serve us. But to expand, we have to go beyond the patterning. That's when healing tends to become more about growth. And very often, fixing the problem is the easiest part of a sexual journey. Eventually, that's going to happen. With time, with effort, with energy, with patience. And I will say this, over the years I've learned that it takes time to heal some of these sexual issues because of the depth that the depth of place within us that they sit simply because these patterns are so deep and they're so painful and because our sexuality is often the most private the most protected part of who we are so releasing them takes time and I would say to anybody who is going to be who is considering a sexual journey of healing, of growth, of learning, is be patient with yourself. Take the time and be kind to yourself. Be compassionate. It's not about pressure and it's not about, oh, we need to fix this quickly. Because the more we do that, the more we are locking that pattern in place. So it very much speaks to the idea of energy. Everything in our world is an energy. Everything has a frequency. Every color has a frequency. Every sound has a frequency. Every organ in the body has a range of optimal health. Anything above or below that is not healthy. 
Every emotion has a frequency. And what's been discovered is the frequency of emotion is the same in all of us. So anxious is the same in absolutely all of us. The triggers are different. What makes you anxious is different to what makes me anxious. But the pattern of that within us is exactly the same. So when we get into a stressful situation, we simply fall into that pattern of energy. So energy is contractive or it's expansive. If we focus simply on just releasing that blockage, we tend to get into the contraction because that's what we're focusing on. But if we look at this as a larger energy field and we can raise that energy, that's where we can start to change things. So often this is the paradigm of healing through pleasure. So if you think about the energy of pain on any level, mental pain, physical pain, emotional pain, think about being sad, think about being lonely, think about being frustrated, think about being angry, think about feeling despair, feeling despondent. The feeling with all of those is heaviness. It's hard to move in that. It's, ah, there's this fog all around. Pleasure, and not only sexual pleasure, has a level of lightness. There's happiness, there's joy, there's celebration. The more pleasure that we can put into the body, the more energy we're making available to change that. And then instead of us, with the limited mind that we have, Deciding where and how that energy should go, we are simply tapping into the body's innate intelligence. And in this celebration of ourselves, that's where healing happens. So that's where patience is required. To expand that energy takes time. To shift an energy pattern can take time. And in a way, it's very similar to exercising. You first go to yoga, and you're going to do a forward bend to touch your toes. <coughs> and it takes a while before you get to your toes. And after a while, your fingertips touch your toes, and then eventually you can get your hands flat on the floor. And in time, you can do all sorts of wonderful things. It takes time. And if you try and push this and you try and do this too quickly, then very simply, you pull a muscle, you strain something, you hurt something, and you're back to the beginning again. It also requires something that's very regular. That says if you go to yoga once and then it's three weeks before you go back again, not a lot is going to happen. So... If we're patient, if we take time, if we keep on changing energy, if we keep on expanding, if we keep on clearing blockages, keep on putting more positive energy into the body, everything starts to shift. The problem with this is the mind. Because we want to do everything through the mind and we want to understand and we want to know why. And why is one of the worst questions that we can ask on a healing journey. Because the way the mind works is the mind wants to be in control. So the mind always goes where it knows. So your mind says, of course you can change. And it's laughing all the way to the bank. Now it might allow a little bit of change. And it might allow a little bit of change for a little while, but it takes you back to where you were because the mind goes where it knows. When we expand and change things in the energy, we're changing things in the body, we give the mind a new level of consciousness, a new awareness. Something has expanded in that. We can be different. Also, because the mind 
works with connections. It links everything. If you taste something that you've never tasted before, your mind immediately compares it to something. Oh, it tastes like. It looks like. It smells like. So there's a level of mind space that keeps us in the way things and the way we think things should be. And part of that is the way we think things should heal, should change, should expand. And we want to know what the outcome of something is. And this becomes its own trap. Because very often it won't allow us to consider other pathways of healing, other pathways of being. It's very much the simple conditioned response. And the more that we can go beyond that, the more we can change, we can heal, we can grow. And that simply takes some time. We can heal really quickly. We can change really quickly if we can get out of that mindset, if we can get more into the body, if we can get more into energy, if we can get more into flow, we can change these pains and we can change these patterns. So how do we do this? First thing is the willingness to change, the willingness to grow. Not simply the words, not simply it would be real easy. We really need to have a willingness to change because of the resistance that certain aspects of our being keep us in. There's safety in knowing where we are. If I'm in a lousy job, if I'm in an unfulfilled relationship, I know that. I know what it is. And we will generally go where we know, simply because we know it. And in that is safety. How many people stay in incredibly unhappy spaces, in incredibly unhappy, even abusive relationships, because I know the space? And knowing it, I feel connected to it. Healing comes with a great deal of unknown. Exploring ourselves will often take us into parts of ourselves that we don't know, that might be uncomfortable for us, that we are not willing to acknowledge, that we are not willing to own. And very often in the simple Owning of them is the most amazing healing, is the most amazing possibility all by itself because it expands the pattern. So I said a while ago that all healing is about making connections. Any ache, pain, dis-ease, disease, any stressor within us is simply a part of us on some level That we have disconnected from. A sexual issue, an emotional issue, something that we have separated ourselves from. The more that we can connect with that, the easier and greater the healing. And that often is the healing. It means simply owning and acknowledging that. Owning the issue and then connecting with what's underneath that. So if I'm a man struggling with an erection issue, that becomes a stress. And every time I'm going to have sex, is it going to happen again? Is it going to happen again? Is it going to happen? And every time it happens, I'm adding to that pathway. I'm adding to that pathway. So sex and pleasure start to become a contractive space, not an expansive space. It becomes a stressful space, not a happy space. And the more that we open these pathways, the more we allow the energy to flow. And the greater the energy field of pleasure we can be in, the more that will change. We have to change our sexuality through our bodies as well as our minds. 
because of the pathways that are there. We clear that, then we start giving the mind something different. That happens beyond consciousness, outside of consciousness, underneath, around. Because of the control of the mind, that's where we have to go. The deeper we can go into the body, the deeper we can go into healing. The greater level of possibility we can create. The greater the healing can be in an even shorter time. Simply because we have that willingness to expand the patterns that we have. So an important part of this becomes the beliefs that we have about sex, about ourselves, and about pleasure. So we tend to put sex in these little boxes, good, bad, right, wrong. And this comes from way back in our past. From family, from religion, from school, from society, from so many different institutions and messages that are bombarded at us. And as soon as we go beyond that, we're going into the unknown. So how do I do that? If I have a really big sexual experience or something that has really shifted my sexuality, who am I? What does that mean? What is the definition of myself in that? And we need people on a journey to share this with, to get feedback from. We need mentors. We need guides, people who have walked down this road, people who are map makers in this. Simply because our self-definition changes. You see more of yourself than you saw before. You feel more. You become more. How do you put this into the rest of you? Because part of the belief that we have is, as a mother or a father, I behave in a certain way. As a husband or a wife, I behave in a certain way. There are certain jobs that we have, certain careers, professions that say, this is how you behave. So we compartmentalize our sexuality. We put it in a little box. We bring it out in very specific circumstances, in very specific contexts, and then we put it away again. It's not linked to the rest of us. It's not linked to heart. It's not linked to spirit. It's not linked to the amazing energies that we have. And the more we can integrate this, and this doesn't mean that you put your sexuality on the table for everybody to see. It simply says the more that you can own it without a judgment, without being guilty about it, without being embarrassed about it, and allowing the fullness of its expression, the more you can do that, the greater the healing from the past and the greater possibilities we're creating. And healing is this journey of connection and this journey of possibility. Within our sexuality are the most incredible resources. So our sexual energy and our creative energy are exactly the same thing. The more that sexual energy flows, the greater level of creativity we have in all aspects of life. If you are having the most amazing sex and amazing fulfilled relationships, you are going to be much happier at work. You are going to be more fulfilled at work. You are going to choose work that will allow for that fulfillment. You are going to be more creative there. You are going to be more successful there, whatever that means for you. You are not going to be stressed. You're not going to take that work stress home. You are going to have more energy within yourself. You are going to be more vital. You are going to be more connected to life. So the fascinating thing is how the corporate world is 
so sexually terrified. We won't talk about sex. We won't talk about ourselves as sexual beings because this is not part of who we are. And yet, being willing to educate people sexually, being willing to help people have better relationships, have more fulfilling experiences, benefits that work area incredibly. But we're terrified of that. We're terrified of our sexuality. And I think this is largely because of the freedom that it gives us. A sexually free person is a free person. We stop buying into a whole lot of what our world gives us. A whole lot of what our world demands of us in terms of being drones. In terms of going to school, getting an education, getting a job and fostering an incredible consumer society. And it's not about not having things. Because you can have everything that you like. You can have as much money as you like. You can have as many cars, houses, whatever. It's not about that. It becomes about who owns who. Because for us, that becomes that that stuff owns us rather than we owning and being able to use it. It becomes about something much deeper. The more that energy flows, the more we start to see different possibilities in life. And there have been some amazing studies done recently and people near death. And the question is that they have been asked, the questions they've been asked have been very much along the lines of what did they wish they had done more of? What did they wish they had done less of in life? Not one person in these studies have said they wished they had worked more. Not one. Everyone said that they wished they had spent more time with their family. And linked to that is a Harvard study, a 75-year study on happiness done by Harvard University in America. And they've had a whole lot of people who have carried the study on over 75 years. The single factor that came up as leading to happiness more than anything else was happy and fulfilled relationships. Happy and fulfilled relationships more than anything else. <coughs> Spending more time creating these relationships and everything that goes with them as opposed to working, as opposed to spending more time in a job that ends up owning you instead of understanding the place that this has in our lives, that it simply becomes another aspect of our energy. So a journey of sexual healing becomes a journey of healing our lives because our sexuality has the power to change that, to change so many aspects of our lives. And a great part of our society knows this. A great part of our society fears this. Because if so many people started living differently, a lot of the systems that we have in our world are going to change, are going to collapse. We're going to want more and we're going to want different from our lives. We are not going to want to spend 12 hours a day in an office. We're going to start to want to live lives of greater pleasure. The very interesting thing in a lot of ancient societies... When you had any kind of illness and you went to the shaman or you went to the medicine person, they listened to the whole story of your symptoms and the story of problems. And then they'd ask, when did you stop dancing with life? When did you stop telling your story? When did you stop being silent with yourself? 
when did you stop connecting with nature? So we take this life story very, very seriously. And we get to certain roles, and this is how we have to behave. And in this we become almost inhuman. We move away from that humanity. We move away from the fullness of who we are. We move away from the joy. We move away from the pleasure. And we move away from vitality. We move away from life force. We move away from connection with the world. And our relationships have become an expression of this because relationships, marriages, families have become incredibly disposable. It's really easy to step out of a marriage these days. Part of this is that we don't have the education for relationship. We don't have the education for love. We don't have the education for pleasure. So being a good lover is not only sexual skills. And often that's the easy part. And a lot of people come to me and they say, so I want to learn how to give her the most awesome orgasm. I want to learn how to give the most amazing blowjob. That's easy. But the sexual path becomes a doorway to so much more. And sexual technique is simply a doorway to higher levels of pleasure. Because if it's all about the technique, we simply become robotic. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for systems. We're looking for techniques. So everybody who comes along with some kind of self-help book, this is the way you do it. This is how you manifest. This is how you create. This is how you heal. This is how you be more of a man. This is how you be more of a woman. And again, all that we're doing with that is often buying into somebody else's idea of how that should be instead of the could. So the journey of healing is becoming our own authority. That's scary because we have to trust ourselves. How do I know if I'm right? How do I know if I'm wrong? If there's not an outside authority that tells me this is how I should be. This is the pleasure that I should be having. This is the sex that I should be having. This is how my marriage should look. And we simply become an expression of somebody else's idea instead of sitting with the question, what could I be? How much pleasure could I have? How much love could there be? So we live with ideas that say there can't be too much of a good thing. You can't have too much. And all good things have to come to an end. Maybe we can have a whole lot more than we thought we could have. Maybe we could love a whole lot more. And in terms of pleasure, we can definitely have a whole lot more in everything that that leads to, which is greater consciousness, which is greater connection to life, which is greater joy, greater fun, greater celebration, greater awareness of who we are. Because in that space and in the higher realm of sexuality, sex becomes a teacher. My friend Nathan did an interview earlier this week with Gareth, and it was about the teacher plants, the journeys that those plants take you on into yourself to show you more of yourself, to free you from the beliefs, the conditioning, the patterning, to allow you to be more of you. The sexual pathway offers the same possibilities. It's for the brave. It's not for the sissies. It's for the brave because of where it takes you with yourself. You will meet yourself, all of yourself. You'll meet the dark and you'll meet the light. And in time, you'll meet the shadow. And I read something beautiful about the shadow a few weeks ago. Shadow work is parts of yourself that you do not know. It's not what you consider the darkness. That's just simply the parts that we consider unacceptable to ourselves. Shadow work comes up over time. And every now and then something is going to come up. 
I never knew that was a part of me. And the more we do that, the more we are owning ourselves, the more we are connecting with everyone else with life. Because my journey is your journey. And every judgment I hold, and every time I withhold myself, and every time I'm less than I am, so are you. The responsibility of pleasure is to be all that we are. To free ourselves from everything that stops us being that. That's how we change our world. That's how we give our children a different world. That's how we show them the possibility and the beauty of life. So with a stuffy head from my flu, I hope that made some sense. And I really enjoyed sharing that with you. So, sexomnia. Somebody said it's the inability to have sex or partake in sexual acts. No. Sexomnia is having sex while you are asleep. Being able to have sex while you're asleep. That's what sexomnia is. So Sia sitting outside there pointing to himself can have sex any given time, sleep or awake in his absolutely wonderful life. Some beautiful workshops coming up. Tomorrow is the sensual meditation of touch, learning how to use touch as a tool for meditation, a beautiful experience. That's for singles and couples. Um, next weekend, tantric sexual massage. Absolutely beautiful. That's for couples at Zebra's Lodge Game Lodge. Following weekend, we will be in Cape Town for three amazing workshops that I'm really looking forward to teaching with you. It's been a while since I've been in Cape Town. All of that information is on Facebook. I wish you all so much pleasure. Cliffcentral.com.